Good afternoon, Minnesota. Welcome to the Sue Jeffer Show. I'm John Gilmore, sitting in for Sue. My producer is Stan Poggle. Thanks so much for listening. Our Lady of the Airwaves is off with a homeschooling speech competition of some sort. Sue is a big supporter of the homeschooling movement. And with each passing day, I think the evidence is before our eyes as to why it is a necessary uh, alternative to the indoctrination in our public schools. I have a lot to talk about today, so I'll talk fast. You listen fast. I have some great guests for you on the show. Um, at the bottom of the hour, Republican-endorsed Senate candidate, State Senator Karen Housley will be calling in. I'm very much looking forward to having her on the show. And if you'd like to ask any questions, the number is 651-989-5855. Uh, Karen's doing an amazing job. Uh, we need to get her more resources, people. I don't understand our donor class in Minnesota. We have opportunities, and they need to step up because we need both small donors and large donors uh, to support Karen Housley. And she'll be checking in. I, I saw on Twitter that she's doing uh, parades today. It looks great. I'll ask her about that Jimmy Fallon uh, clip. I don't know if uh, listeners saw. Uh, I'll let Karen uh, explain that. It was pretty hilarious. And she put out a remarkably funny and extremely well-done video made by my friend Jimmy Knudsen, who's awesome, uh, very creative talent. And they are making a, a good team. And, of course, there are others involved in that campaign. So, Karen Housley, at the bottom of the first hour, I was going to have uh, Doug Wardlow right about now. He's the Republican-endorsed candidate for attorney general. He had a last-minute conflict um, and can't call in. I'm trying not to take it too personally. Uh, I don't want it to hurt my feelings. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't have feelings. Um, but he'll come on the Sue Jeffers show, I'm I'm certain at some point. Sue is a big fan of his, and uh, you should be too. His opponent, ladies and gentlemen, this audience probably already knows it, but still, Keith Ellison. Uh, Keith Ellison. If he's the attorney general for the state of Minnesota, turn out the lights. It's the ultimate weaponization of law. It's the ultimate political weaponization of a constitutional office that among all of the constitutional offices in our state should be the least politicized, the least weaponized. But he's part of the George Soros, what's called the state's attorney general's project, or something to that effect. And what he's doing is trying to get his Bolsheviks, his cultural Marxists, his far-left wackos, into these positions to wage war on you, on us, on policies we support on the normal, functioning, representative democracy and their outcomes. They seek to subvert, you may have noticed, uh, the last election of a president through lawfare. And this is uh, a very dangerous development for anyone who cares about the rule of law in the most dispassionate way possible. Law doesn't always get it right, never will. Judges are human, they're flawed. Juries can get it wrong, but boy, it's a lot better than the mob that we see unleashed from time to time uh, in our country, and I'll get to that as well because it's extremely dangerous. At the beginning of the 4 o'clock hour, friend of the show, Kim Crockett from the Center of the American Experiment will come on, and she'll talk about the Janus decision. The Supreme Court had uh, an additional day of releasing uh, decisions yesterday, the most well-known or the one that got the most coverage. 
was a five to four decision where the Supreme Court ruled you needed probable cause, hence a warrant, if you're going to access cell tower information about a defendant's location. I have to say, ladies and gentlemen, I think Justice Roberts got it right, and he joined the four liberal judges, or rather justices, excuse me. The issue of privacy is paramount, and I understand the legal argument from the right, which is, you know, the Constitution isn't this living, breathing document that we can shapeshift it uh, to rubber stamp any policy outcome that nine people in robes prefer. It's a very serious argument. It's the right argument. I'm not sure it holds all the time. Uh, I don't think there'll be a great deal of impediment put in the way of law enforcement to get a warrant. It's done all the time. And uh, the key point that Justice Roberts said was, we've never had a third party that has this vast treasure trove of where you are at all times. You have a smartphone? There's a record of where you are right now. Where were you yesterday or a year ago? Uh, it's remarkable and frightening. Um, it's it's a limited uh, victory because most of us won't be defendants, hopefully, um, in criminal cases, and the government won't be going after us. But that's where it is first and foremost uh, the most important. So Kim Crockett at the top of uh, hour four, and at the bottom of the hour, Republican endorsed candidate for Jeff Johnson at 4:30. And I'm looking forward to Jeff reporting in. I went to the Trump rally in Duluth, ladies and gentlemen, on Wednesday. I had a VIP ticket because I'm not completely despised by the uh, Minnesota Republican establishment. I'd tell you who gave me the ticket, but why would I burn them? Um, but it was great. It was, it was really amazing. And I'm writing about that tomorrow for my Sunday column at alphanewsmn.com. Uh, the title is Trump in Duluth and the future of Minnesota Republicans. Isn't that pretty overarching, Stan? Isn't that sort of like, I'll just say what's what? Did you like that title? He's you not usually even... always say what's what. What's what, yeah. Well, uh, and it's not a matter of being right, it's a matter of uh, saying what I think, and more people should do it. It's not a matter of having to agree. And I do have my hand on the dump button, uh, just hovering, in case yeah, you go you, over the you, top, because you, you, you sounded you... like you are a little upset when you came in today about about some recent news, which I'm sure you'll get to. Well, why don't you just <laughs> carry no, the no, segment, no, Stan? No, 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 play through, play through, buddy. Uh, where to begin, ladies and gentlemen? It's it, This is politically criminal. What Jennifer Carnahan, the chair of the Minnesota Republican Party, has done in the last 24 hours. If you don't know, she went on Facebook. I hate Facebook. I don't like people. Just kidding. Well, kind of, but Facebook, whatever. It's just not my thing. I'm a Twitter guy. You have these long, you know, argument threads, and it's just not for me. But I saw screen captures, because I'm not a friend of Jennifer's, um, through Facebook. And she essentially claimed that members of the executive committee made racist and bigoted comments about her and some other things. Well, she was called out on not identifying those people. Why would you say this in public? Why would you accuse Republicans, when you're the chair of the party, of being racist and bigots? Well, obviously for her own self-interest. She doesn't care about anything but herself, and I have personal experience with it. I don't believe the comments that she said happened. 
happened. There's a word for that. It starts with L. She's lying. If she weren't lying, she would identify those people and publicly shame them. And I think most of us would say, that's really bogus. Apologize and then, you know, get the hell out of here. But instead, she's getting sympathy and empathy from kind-hearted people, but I, I, I fear that they're being duped. Um, you know, I don't like to say that, but there's a lot going on here that is very damaging. And just as I rolled in, thank you, Stan, to the stations here in St. Louis Park, thehill.com picked up the story. Thanks, Jennifer, for mainstreaming it into It has the... reached the Associated Press at this point. So there you go. Jennifer Carnahan, the number to talk to this audience is 651-989-5855. You can have the floor. I'll, I'll let you talk five minutes uninterrupted and say thank you at the end of it if you're afraid that I'm going to be going after you hot hammer and tong. I won't. But you owe Republicans in Minnesota and the nation now, thanks very much, heck of a job. You owe them an explanation, both as to your poor judgment as to why you would say this on Facebook and then why you would refuse to name the people who you claim said it. As somebody on Twitter noted, the executive committee is, you know, a, a defined small group of people. We're not talking about 3,000 delegates who gathered in Duluth on June 1st and 2nd. This is absolutely inexcusable. And I resent it, Jennifer, because long before you could stop watching The Bachelor and dabble in politics, a lot of us were putting in the hard work, and that's all we heard was that because we don't want affirmative action, we're bigoted and racist. Because we don't think people should be judged by the color of their skin, paradoxically, that made us the racists and the bigots. And when we get back from the break, I'll let you in on something that I've not spoken about publicly. It happened 10, uh, 10 months ago, and it was uh, part of a column that I wrote for Alpha News. In the meantime, you're listening to The Sue Jeffers Show, Twin Cities News Talk. AM 1130, and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. And we're back. You're listening to The Sue Jeffers Show. John Gilmore sitting in for Our Lady of the Airwaves. Uh, before the break, I was talking about uh, the very unfortunate thing that Jennifer Carnahan, uh, Erzatz, chair of the Minnesota Republican Party, did in posting to Facebook what she claims were racist and bigoted and hateful and mean attacks. Uh, any such attacks should be condemned out of hand. I don't think there's any disagreement. I don't think what she wrote about actually happened. And I have firsthand experience of being called a racist, a bigot, and a misogynist by Jennifer Carnahan. My crime? On August 27th, 2017, I wrote uh, an opinion column. I have one every Sunday. Love it. Hate it. Don't care. Hate read it. Just hate read it. I know I have a lot of hate readers. That's always fun to keep that in mind when I'm writing. Just kidding. I, I really don't think about it in those terms. But I was talking about the House Republican Mafia and how it ran. Now, in that very article, I criticized Speaker Kurt Dowd. When I saw him, ladies and gentlemen, at the state convention on Saturday, June 2nd, he was nothing but gracious and polite, and we had a lovely conversation. That's how you do it, Jennifer Carnahan. My criticisms are 
policy-specific or tactic-specific. They're not Kurt Douth the man-specific. I like Kurt. I like Ben Golnick. I called them both out in that, in that article. And it's not on a personal level. Carnahan seems incapable of taking criticism in any other way than personal. You're in the wrong job if you can't take criticism. You don't think Ken Martin, the chair of the DFL, has had the bark stripped off of his tree sometimes by those crazies that he has to herd like so many rabid cats? It's not pretty, it's not pleasant sometimes, but you don't get to call us racists and bigots, Jennifer Carnahan. In a story about 15 paragraphs long, I mentioned Jennifer in two of them, and I called her out for firing a newly hired staffer at the party. She did so because, I claimed, of pressure from the Minnesota Jobs Coalition. That's it. She wrote then-editor-in-chief Cole Matheson demanded a public apology for my column. Really? A public apology? Who is this Republican who is all about hurt feelings? I thought that was the uh, unhinged left, my feelings. In addition to a public uh, apology, she called me a racist and a bigot and a sexist. You can go look at that column, ladies and gentlemen. I was going to read the two paragraphs on air, but I don't think it's worth the candle. It's out there. It's available at alphanewsmn.com, August uh, 27th, 2017. So she calls me all these names. None of it is justified by the criticism that I put out there in the public domain. And here's the kicker. She wanted Alpha News to take down my column. Our chair of the Republican Party wants censorship. But only when it's something she doesn't like about her. This is unacceptable. And as Stan said before the break, now the, the story's been picked up by the Associated Press, TheHill.com carried it. The Star Tribune had a story last night or early this morning. So the small tsunami of unfounded, unjust criticism because of this selfish, frequently incompetent woman is going to come raining down on our heads. The president was in the state Wednesday, Jennifer. Great way to step on that story. You're a genius. It's complete political malpractice, throwing... Thousands of people, tens of thousands of people, millions, what the hell, under the bus because of your claims of racism and sexism and misogyny, and you will not call out the people you say made those, if it was true, terrible remarks. I doubt they happened. And now she's running around saying, well, no, I support President Trump because he's not a racist. Right, but everybody else in the party in, in the uh, in the party is. I've got Tom on line one who says he thinks uh, Carnahan is doing what she thinks is right. Tom, you're on the Sue Jeffers Show. Welcome. Hey, man. I... Are you there, Tom? You, you need to turn down your radio, Hi. Mr. Tom. Oh, sorry. Ground control to Major Tom. Yes? Uh, yeah, I mean, Trump's racist? I, I don't know if that's true. Like, some I didn't say that. Go. I didn't say that, Tom. I, I didn't, didn't say, say that. It. Okay. 
Yeah, Sorry. no, she she is she is running around claiming that Trump isn't racist, and in fact, yeah, he I guess, isn't. I guess I'll ask you this: What did you say about Facebook in the last thirty minutes? You said you don't you don't believe in Facebook. You're a Twitter guy. Yeah, what's your point, Tom? Uh, my point is, now that you're sitting on the radio talking about a Facebook post, I thought you were a Twitter fan, and you're just complaining about not not your your form of media. No, actually, it's a larger point, but thanks for calling in. I appreciate yeah, it. No, I, can, I can take the larger point probably okay. poorly. All right. Well, thanks for calling, Tom. I appreciate it. Uh, That's right, always good, good to you. Yeah, you too. Oh. Whatever. Um, the... Facebook images that I saw were posted on Twitter. They're called uh, screen caps. And so that's how I saw what she originally posted. And the problem is she won't identify anyone on the executive committee who in her original statement on Facebook, she claimed made those comments. If, if they were made by Joe Smith from CD whatever, sitting in the executive committee or on the committee, he should be called out. That she won't do it suggests, to my mind, that it didn't happen. You can't have it both ways. You can't go public with such a vicious, corrosive, politically damaging statement, picked up now by national media, take a bow. You can't do that and then say, no, I, I'd prefer not to name the person. You can't have it both ways, Jennifer Carnahan. The number for you to call right now is 651-989-5855. Somehow I don't think she'll be calling in. But ladies and gentlemen, I haven't spoken about her reaction to my Alpha News column in August of 2017 before publicly ever. That was 10 months ago. Contrary to, <laughs> contrary to my detractors, I can keep my mouth shut. It was a private thing. I thought it was poor form. That was the end of it. And I wish her all the best in the world. We've got Jill on line one, wants to talk about Jennifer Carnahan. Jill, welcome to the Sue Jeffers Show. Thanks for calling. Hi there. You know, I was a state exec committee member for almost 25 years. Um, and I can honestly say that, like you said earlier, we were tagged often as being racist, as being, um, you know, prejudiced, you name it. Um, you know, if you're diagnosed with cancer, you don't care what the doctor nationality is. You just want to be cured. We wanted a leadership in the party that could help us win, could bring money in, and could change the direction the party was going on. So this could be solved very simply. Number one, Jennifer Carnahan, all she has to do is produce the emails, name names. We would gladly dismiss any leadership that has made racist or pejorative remarks. Number two, whatever this is, it should be compartmentalized because it does not cover the fact that she has had gross incompetence in her leadership in the party. It does not cover the fact that there has been a distinct lack of fundraising, a lack of responsiveness to the DFL, and the fact that there is no bench for candidates or organization whatsoever. Those are failures to meet objectives that were set out for her when she was elected as chair. So regardless of what may be happening personally, either fix it or don't, but it doesn't cover your failures as party chair. I've never heard such racist, bigoted comments in all my life. I know. I'm shocked. Jill, let me ask you a question. What do yes. you think she can do now? And I'm being sincere because she screwed up, insert your favorite other word, 
she screwed up big time. It's now a national story. I could swear. It's the first time in all the time I've guest hosted for Sue Jeffers that coming into the studio, I asked Stan, are we on a delay? Because I was a little bent last night and I thought, you know, sleep on it, wake up, do the show. It won't be quite as hot. Well, it's only gotten worse. And so, ladies and gentlemen, this is a very terrible wound that Jennifer Carnahan has inflicted on us, and she is solely responsible for it. I think she should quit, but then it would be seen by the media as driven out because she's of Korean descent. Take a hike, Jennifer. You know, if, if all you have is a hammer, everything's going to look like a nail. And I think that this woman has moved through her life with that sort of, of grudge, I suppose. If you're a left-wing social justice warrior, it comes naturally. Huh, there's something to think about. And she does strike me as a social justice warrior in in Republic, uh, a Republican garb. But before we go to the break at the bottom of the hour, Jill, and I, and I mean this sincerely uh, and, and clinically and in a uh, detached way, what is the most effective thing or things, in your opinion, that Jennifer Carnahan can do to uh, remedy or to staunch the bleeding to, to try to fix the problem in the best way possible? I believe what she should do is produce the documentation, the emails. She should name names. She should have a press conference with the leadership who stands behind her and against racism and remove these people from any leadership positions whatsoever. She should prove it, show it without beyond a shadow of a doubt. Then, that being said, Make sure that everyone knows the Minnesota GOP will not, does not, and has not ever stood for any type of racism. Thank you very much, Jill. I appreciate your phone call. Very happy to have uh, Sue's audience call in. This is the Sue Jeffers Show. John Gilmore sitting in. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and Mm. And we're back. This is the Sue Jeffers Show. I'm John Gilmore sitting in for Sue. Just in the nick of time is a fantastic palate cleanser, and she's so much more than that. But going from something rather unsettling and disquieting to something uh, very positive and optimistic, I'm delighted to have uh, State Senator Karen Housley calling in. She's our endorsed candidate. She's running against the Dayton appointee, Tina Flint-Smith. Karen Housley, welcome to the Sue Jeffers Show. Thanks so much for having me, John. This is fun. This is very much fun. And I have to say, Karen, it looks like you're having a lot of fun out on the campaign trail uh, in all different sorts of formats, meeting people and making the case for why Minnesota should send you to the United States Senate in November. I, I am having so much fun. I, I, I wouldn't do it if I wasn't going to make it fun, but it is I get energized by meeting people across the state and listening to what their issues are and trying to figure a way that I can help them and, and really working hard to be a new voice for Minnesotans in Washington, D.C., because we've had a decade of the wrong voice, and now we just appointed Tina Smith to another wrong voice for us Minnesotans in D.C. So I'm having fun going around the state and listening to people. I think that's great. I, uh, perhaps all of our listeners know uh, that recently Jimmy Fallon, the, na- the late-night so-called comedian, uh, pointed out the uh, problem of you getting from your seat at the Amsoil Arena when President Trump was in Duluth on Wednesday, and you put out uh, a, a hilarious, I think, brilliant video um, 
with the help of Jim Knudsen. And I, I'm really I'm really delighted to see a campaign, uh, a Minnesota Republican campaign senator, uh, react in real time, take advantage of something that you had no control over, who knew that Jimmy Fallon would be talking about you, reminding him that, in fact, you're a woman, and and having a, a great go of it. I think that bodes well for the overall, overall arc of, of your campaign. Uh, people should go should go look at the video because Jimmy Knudsen did do a, a, a great job putting that together. But it was the night before, and, and don't give me a hard time, but every night before I go to bed, I look at my Facebook, my Twitter, and then I record Fallon every night just to get his monologue to see what, to see what the, the fake media is talking about. I think that's smart, yep, Karn. I think that's smart. I do. So I do just a little rundown, and I was watching it that night, and it was like 2 in the morning by the time I got to my recorded Jimmy Fallon, and I went, Wait, wait, wait. Did, did they just have my Trump and then my name on Jimmy Fallon? Like, rewind, Karen. Am I, am I delirious? And so I went, oh, my gosh, this is, this is an opportunity. Although he was making fun of the, of the president, which the president, when he tried to call me to get out of my seat to come down to the stage, there was, there was no way I could get out of my seat. I was, like, strapped in with, with uh, railings and, and bleachers, and so I just waved. But so... Uh, Jimmy Fallon was making fun of the president. I was like, don't make fun of the president. He actually said my name. And now, Jimmy, you just said my name. So we did. We, we put a little thing uh, out on Twitter because Jimmy Fallon thought I was a guy. He thought the name Karin was for a guy. So right, right. Just back at you, Jimmy. Well, and, and it was done so, so masterfully and, and so well. Karin, I want to ask you about uh, more substantive uh, issues in the race. And I know that there's a lot of fundraising and name recognition and getting out there during uh, those few months where we have decent weather in this state. Mm -hmm. And so that's a priority, and the campaign will likely become more uh, issue-specific focused, and and you'll be, um, I would assume, drawing contrasts and distinctions uh, between you and current Senator uh, Tina Flint-Smith. But I, I, I wanted to ask you about her uh, in particular, where she has decided quite clearly, quite consciously, and, uh, and I know this from people who have uh, validated it within her campaign, uh, she's running far to the left. And in April, I happened to be in Barcelona, Spain, and on my last day there, I was leaving late at night for, for Madrid, I went to uh, an architectural attraction and ran into Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, small world here we are and so i introduced myself we had a perfectly lovely conversation he was he was mad about trump and so there's that and his wife was uh i fell in love with her she was just she's probably seen him interact with people for decades now she asked me because i identified myself as being from minnesota she said what do you think of tina smith and i said honestly ma'am i'm surprised at how far left she has positioned herself she is to the left of Al Franken, who she replaced, and she's and and Amy Klobuchar affects um, a moderate position, uh, is mostly on the left, but Tina is to the left of her. Given that, Karen Housley, do you see opportunities to tell Minnesotans that you are more in sync with their values and their ideas, and that Tina Smith is an outlier? And quote, "That's not who we are." Uh, first, thanks for bringing up the fundraising because your audience is the perfect one that, that um, anything they could do to help me fundraise to, so we could get up on the air and really highlight the differences between Tina Smith and myself. Where can they go, Karin, to contribute to your campaign? Housleyforsenate.com, H-O-U-S-L-E-Y, for Senate.com. Great. Um, but you know what, you're right, and, and John, I think 
Tina Smith was always that far left. That's who she is mm-hmm. at the core. She mm-hmm. wasn't born and raised here. She's from New Mexico. Mm-hmm. She has been far, far left with her Stanford graduate degree, uh, vice president of Planned Parenthood. She's been left, left, left. And I think the business community here in Minnesota tried to pull her to the middle when she was Dayton's lieutenant governor. Mm-hmm. But she, you're right. She is left of Franken, and she is... She embraces the progressives, and that's the direction she wants to take this, this state. And she, she falls right in line with Chuck Schumer. She's a puppet for Chuck Schumer and all of the obstructionism that he is coaching everybody to do. And that's, that's exactly what she's doing out there. And she's not even aligning herself with Amy Klobuchar. She is left, left, left of left. And, and people of Minnesota really need to know that, that she's not – she is not a voice for all of Minnesota. She is just a metro liberal elite left progressive. How do you think she's going to try to shape shift, Karn, given that uh, I think one could reasonably say that sort of political uh, approach or placement on the political spectrum isn't going to sell particularly well in outstate Minnesota, greater Minnesota, rural Minnesota? I know one of those I'm not supposed to say, but I just said all of them. So how does, how does that play, Karen, outside the right. urban liberal bubble? Well, and, and she did it just, uh, just the other week uh, where she decided to uh, side with the mining industry up there, and they could see right through that. For eight years as uh, working for Governor Dayton, she never once supported the mining industry, and now all of a sudden that she's running for U.S. Senate, she's like, oh, that's right, there is more than Minneapolis and St. Paul. I better do something <laughs> for them up there. Um, and they saw right through it, and, and they attacked her on Twitter and Facebook. I think she's really counting, uh, counting on everybody in Minneapolis, St. Paul coming out to vote and to hack with everybody in, in greater Minnesota in the rural areas because she doesn't need them, she thinks. And, and agriculture is the backbone of our, our country or our state, and for her to, to be walking around the state, or actually as her team is, she's not actually going out and meeting with these people, her team is, uh, and pretending to be all about the farmers when she never was before, uh, they can see right through that too. So it's, she's going to have to come up with something different, but her record shows she's been a left metro area elite elitist since she's been in office with Governor Dayton. When people tell you who they are, believe them. Isn't that the, exactly. isn't that the statement? No, I, I did see that maneuver. I think you're exactly right, Karen Housley. It was transparent, people who support mining, uh, it's all right through it. I, I follow too many squishes on, on Twitter. It's just a fact. But yeah. I do it so that, listeners, you don't have to. They were deeply unhappy. The people I follow from the DFL and the left were enraged that she even made that attempt to accommodate the mining interests in northern Minnesota. So it's an interesting backlash. I mean, I suppose at the end of the day, they're stuck with her being, you know, one of two candidates for Senate, and I don't think they're going to be so irritated with her transparent ploy that they're going to vote for you. But it's interesting to see that tension. It seems to me, Karen Housley, that we are watching the left consume itself, and when they aren't busy going after us and trying to destroy our livelihoods because we don't have the right political opinion, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was driven from a restaurant last night in Virginia because she works for the president. I mean, these these are real tears in the social fabric, the social contract seems to be breaking down. What's your message for Minnesotans who might be bewildered? Uh, because I think a lot of people vote for president 
and then they're disappointed if uh, their candidate loses, and we carry on. We have our lives, we have our families, we have our jobs, uh, we're glad to be Americans, and, and we go forward. Something uh, very deep ruptured in November of 2016, and the left doesn't seem to be able to get over it. I don't see her offering Minnesotans uh, an ability to come together and find what still unites us. It seems very divisive. What's your message? Uh, and I hate to do this to you, but I'm sure you get asked many times. What is your message in a nutshell as to why we should send you to the United States Senate? Um, again, being a, a new voice for Minnesota, and and I'm a, a small business owner. I'm a mom. I have four kids and, and two grandchildren. And I have I actually have a track record of accomplishing tax cuts and caring for our elderly and reining in government spending. Uh, as a small business owner, we, we every day government gets our gets in our way of trying to create jobs and trying to grow our business. Um, and and that's what Tina Smith wants to do. She she is an obstructionist and she has a record of of uh, creating billions of dollars in in taxes, which which Minnesotans don't like. So I think. Me and, and actually, we did a parade this morning in Savage, and it was so fun to just – the message is out there. What Trump is doing, how it's turned around the economy, the unemployment is the lowest it's been in 18 years. Actually, for women, it's the lowest it's been in 65 years. So that message is out there. So just to continue that, that great message of turning the economy around and creating more jobs and being a small business owner myself uh, and not being an obstructionist. People are so tired of those in Congress – not getting anything done, and they're not getting anything done because of people just like Tina Smith. Well, Karen Housley, we wish you all the best in your Senate campaign. I'm sure that you'll be back on the Sue Jeffers Show going forward, whether I happen to be guest hosting or not, because I know Sue is a very big supporter of yours. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't emphasize enough. If you can give $5, do it. If you can give $25, do it. Karen Housley needs to have the financial resources to get the message out so that we don't have a far-left, cultural Marxist senator like Tina Smith. The odds, um, or the stakes rather, are very high. But Karen Housley's odds at winning this seat are very good. And that seems to me, for obvious reasons, because our media tilts left, that seems to me to be the least uh, or the most underreported story is that We've got a race on our hands. We don't have to concede both Senate seats to the left. Karen Housley, thank you for coming on the Sue Jeffers Show, and all the best going forward. Thanks so much for having me, John Gilmer. I'll see you out on Twitter. You take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right, uh, we have George on line one. I'll get to him when I come back because this is the Sue Jeffers Show on Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Exactly. Welcome back to the Sue Jeffers Show, Minnesota, and parts unknown since it's on the World Wide Web. Haven't said that in ages. I'm John Gilmore sitting in for Sue Jeffers, who is busy with a speech activity for a homeschooling group here in the Twin Cities. My producer is Stan Poggle, and I didn't expect you to play Talking Heads, though, Stan. Nicely done. Thank you for that. I'm still on... Uh, a high of sorts because we had Karen Housley, the Republican-endorsed candidate for the United States Senate, on. And I think who Karen is really came through. I think she's an excellent candidate who has every chance of defeating, uh, I call Tina Smith the nurse ratchet of candidates. I mean, she looks like she's going to have a clipboard and purse her lips and say, medication time. 
And, and Karen is just the opposite. She's a real human being. She's a real person. She's not a construct. She's not an ideologue. Um, I appreciate the way that she has supported President Trump. She's not a mindless supporter of President Trump. Neither am I. Newsflash. No one should be. We shouldn't mindlessly support any person from any party uh, just across the board in carte blanche. But I promised before the last break that I would get to a caller, George, who is holding. He wants to talk, you think, about debt and foreign occupation. George, thank you. You're on the air at the Sue Jeffers Show. Yep, John, I sure wish I would have got you to ask her those two questions. Like you say, our little $22 trillion debt that nobody talks about. Okay. And then 17 years of occupation in Afghanistan. After that, and a billion spent Poland, we got to get out of there. They wanted to go deploy them down on the border and then forget the wall. But like you say, those are two big issues, and nobody's talking about it from either party. No, you you are, and um, I'm certain um, either Karin or her people will be listening to the balance of this show because I paid them money to do so. Just kidding. Uh, but those are huge issues, um, and and they're not unrelated, as I would guess that you would agree with me, George, because our foreign occupations are enormously expensive, and we are deployed around the world. And Trump was rather forthright in saying, I want to bring as many of them back as we can. Um, on, a, on a related note, George, would you agree with me that he has done extremely well in decimating ISIS and winding down that threat, and of course, gets virtually no recognition or acknowledgement from the mainstream media? Yeah, I haven't heard anything about that issue at all. Like it's yeah, yeah, but it's, it's, it's because they're, they're in tatters. Um, the the war in Afghanistan, is it 17 years, George, or 18? Well, it's we're for 18, I guess. Yeah, so. yeah, it's just gone on forever. And and so many of our young men and women, these brave people, have either lost their lives or all too frequently suffered horrific, uh, debilitating injuries, and God bless them. Um, we really need to take a hard look at whether now it's worth the candle. Because if we can't come home after 17 or 18 years, George, when can we? 28? I mean, what does that look like, right? Hey, John, you know, I, I've heard, and I don't know if that's true or not, I'm not in it, but uh, like I say, if they use the War Powers Act and get these politicians actually to have to place a vote where you can see it, would that help? I mean, because they just kind of wash their hands of it, all of them. The senators, the reps, like I say, they don't have any... They don't have any skin in the game, it doesn't seem like, by not taking a vote on something for this. That's right, and that sounds very reminiscent of what Senator Rand Paul might say on that issue, yep, that like that we've given too much to the executive branch, don't care who the president is from which party, that just as a matter of constitutional alignment, uh, Congress has eroded its own powers and its own authority. You know, uh, George, I, I think that's a question that the Senate and members of the House will have to ask themselves. Uh, unfortunately, there's not a lot of courage in politics. People right. are primarily focused on getting reelected. And that went on for so long that both parties hollowed out America with bad trade deals, bad economic policies. And it took somebody, a literal outsider like Trump, with the most unconventional style we've seen and likely will for the foreseeable future, to break that mold. It would be interesting if uh, the president would want to move on that front. It wouldn't surprise me if, if he would. I'm hazarding a guess, though, that that might be something best left to his second term. He doesn't have to worry about re-election. He probably wants to get things tidied up that he has set in motion. And I don't think he worries about legacy because he just gets the job done and he creates its own legacy, George. Yep. But that would be very interesting. I don't know if you saw recently, sometime this week, um, 
I was talking to a friend. It's called Life at the Speed of Trump. Did this happen Thursday or was it yesterday? Or You know, it, it's all happening so fast. But with Mick Mulvaney from the Office of Management and Budget, Trump is looking at reorganizing government itself, and it hasn't been done for 100 years. So that certainly seems like something that would be worthwhile. As for the debt, George, um, I don't know what to tell you because not long ago, of all people, Rush Limbaugh said, yeah, I hear you about the debt. I get your emails. I have callers. He does read widely. And all the terrible things that are said about the debt and you know what's supposed to happen because it's unsustainable never seem to materialize. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't necessarily. It's just that that tipping point, the so-called tipping point, always seems to be pushed out into the further uh you know, time horizon. I think and so, we messed up. Like I say, we had an opportunity back with the Simpson Bulls, but everybody panicked or, or got chicken at the end. Even me and Obama was almost looking at it. But if you looked at that, everybody had skin in the game. Like I say, we would have made progress, but I don't know. Like I say, I wish they could pull that thing back out. Sure, sure. Well, George, thank you very much for you calling bet. the Sue Jeffers Show. I appreciate you listening. Yep, thank you. You bet. Next, we have Kevin, who wants to talk about uh, the emperor, I mean, President Trump. Kevin, you're on the air. Welcome to the Sue Jeffers Show. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, you made you made a, a point about the mainstream media. I disagree with that. There okay. is no mainstream media. Okay. It's all just another wing of the Democrat Party. I I am happy to sit corrected, Kevin. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, the and latest, that's why, and that's why they don't give uh, Trump credit for all the good things that he's done. Be, because they are really political propagandists and not what we used to know as journalists, right? You know, yeah, you're right. He, the, the, the tough thing Trump has going is not only does he have to face the radical left-wing media, the non-objective media, he's also got to face people within his own party that really didn't want him there. They want to just continue on making all the money from the lobbyists. Well, I think that's an excellent point. Funny you should mention Tim Pawlenty because I get a lot of that sense uh, with respect to his campaign. Now, I'm on record. If Minnesota Republican primary voters on August 14th say that it's him, I'm in. The stakes for Minnesota are too high not to vote for the Republican candidate on the ticket. But I do get a sense that the Pawlenty campaign is trying to have it both ways and, and straddle that issue with respect to supporting Trump. I realize a lot of his people voted for Evan McMullen. They couldn't pull the lever for Trump. Uh, I hope they have some sense of shame or embarrassment. By the same token, I do know some Trump supporters, very strong Trump supporters on the governor's campaign, and that gives me uh, hope and confidence too. I understand that uh, he wants to win and he's trying to be uh, calculated. Sometimes I'm on the outside looking in. It's a little too calculated, but we'll just have to see. At, in, at, at the end of the day, um, you'll be seeing me call for Republicans in Minnesota to be united. So we can have our disagreements during the primary. No one should take them personally because they're not meant personally. And we have to figure it out so that we don't have uh, a Democrat governor following eight years of the disastrous Mark Dayton. Because, Kevin, I, I think if we, we have, have – if we, we have, have – go ahead. I agree with you. We have to get behind whoever is the nominee. Yeah. Um, one other weak candidate besides Palenti is Eric Paulson. I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't want to. Uh, we need a moratorium on these borders. We cannot continue to let these people flood in. Number one, Mexico has left those borders wide open. So are they getting money to do that? Mexico would never allow their borders to be breached like that. I know That's right. somebody from work who's from Mexico. He says, "Yeah, you're right. They wouldn't allow that." So are they being paid to do this? 
Well, I, I don't know if they're being paid to do this, but I think uh, the president has focused on the issue, and I think he is nationalizing immigration uh, and illegal crime uh, in the country for the November election. Um, there's not going to be a blue wave. The jury is still out as to whether there's going to be a red wave. But if I had to put money on it, I'd go with the red wave. You're listening to The Sue Jeffers Show, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.